Hey, hey, party people. Welcome to Culture Shock, the podcast that breaks down the works that have had an immense impact on the entertainment industry and also on us. We talk about issues of representation and inclusion in the business called show and the media we consume to figure out what makes us, us. I am your host, that girl that won't stop talking, Alicia Carroll. So Culture Shock started as a video project turned newsletter turned podcast, and now it seems to be all of those things. The newsletter does exist, so subscribe, please. It's very fun. Um, it's a tearjerker occasionally, but it's been really fun to make and an ex- interesting experience. Uh, and the video project is also well underway, so we're on our way to getting that to you guys. Um, but some of you may be wondering what the impetus for all of this was, and it really just boils down to one little fact. Media actually (laughs) influences and inspires us almost on a subliminal level. But studies also show that television that's inclusive and diverse can actually make audiences less prejudiced over time. That's how powerful it is. That was me. During my talk at TEDx Beacon Street a few months ago, I'll still never figure out how I hustled these people into letting me give a TED talk, but that one section really does boil down my view of the industry and why I'm so passionate about it beyond just a thirst for storytelling. When I learned that television can literally change the psychology of its audience, that was it for me. That was what I wanted to dedicate my entire career to. And it all started when I was just a few years old. Um, My mom seems to disagree with this, but I'm pretty sure my first word was Zoop, which I don't know if you guys remember but was a Disney Channel segment when we were kids it was really great Um, but I, like every other kid, wanted to perform. I wanted to be on Star Search or, you know, Mickey Mouse's Clubhouse or star on my own Discovery Kids show or be a cast member on all of that. I was so humble that I knew that I had to be more talented than everyone on the silver and small screen put together. So it was only logical that I become a star with my own show, right? <laughs> um, but eventually, as the characters and shows that I loved began to disappear, Sister Sister had ended, Moesha ended, reruns of The Cosby Show and Fresh Prince had pretty much ended. The Proud Family and Degrassi, The Next Generation, and That's a Raven had yet to begin. I kind of found myself in a representational dead zone. When I looked to film, I basically watched nothing but Disney Channel original movies at this point since Harry Potter wasn't out and we didn't have a black Disney princess yet. So again, there was kind of a dearth of representation there. At such a young age, I was sort of forced to compartmentalize into not a full human being, but aspects of myself. Instead of viewing through an intercultural lens as my whole self, I had to view as just a girl. And even then, I was left less than satisfied. For a while, I didn't see myself in the content I consumed, and that really pissed me off. I think that's why I pushed performing for so long, because it was kind of a way to become my own solution. So I quickly abandoned my plan to become president of the United States, a plan I have revisited since, and set my sights on Hollywood. I was going to be a showrunner or an indie film producer or a screenwriter or a development executive. And at that age, I obviously had no idea what any of those things were, but I knew that no matter what I did, I just had to have a say in what stories got told. And I still feel that way. 15 years, countless binge watches, movie marathons, class assignments, and rewrites later, I can honestly say that it has been no picnic, (laughs) but I also didn't expect it to be. I figured the one thing I can do right away without extreme financing or resources is contribute to the conversation, an interdisciplinary dialogue that I hope will be trifold in its mission. 
first is reframing our entertainment history. In four years of film school, I can count how many filmmakers of color I learned about in class on my fingers. Same for female filmmakers. As a personal project that I hope to share with the world, I want to revisit the history of media arts and cover the material that the textbook left out. The women and people of color who pioneered the multi-billion dollar industry that makes the world go round. If you dig deep enough, you'll find that women and people of color were oftentimes at the genesis of the American entertainment tradition. It's deeply interwoven into our history and politics, and that fact is not often acknowledged in your history classes. So we're going to watch some old movies, talk about some non-white dudes who made prolific works of art, and we're going to hopefully supplement the curriculum for those of you like me who were often bored by the played out auteurs discussed in our classes. And as I'm sure you'll know, history is pretty wild, so it's bound to be enjoyable for everyone. Second is literacy and impact. I went to a school geared towards communications and the arts, and I honestly had one class that I felt truly contributed to my media literacy. One. And it was an elective. But like financial literacy, media and entertainment is something that is unavoidably human. We're surrounded by it. We have a psychological craving for it. It's part of our everyday lives, and yet we learn nothing about it. I hope to reframe media and entertainment from the fallback that the substitute teacher uses when they don't feel like teaching a real lesson to the main subject of the class. Media literacy involves history, psychology, sociology, economics, and more. It's why the Don Drapers of the world have more control over how you spend your time and money than your parents might. It's why you may not reach for your dream career because you have no models to show you it's possible for you to achieve. It's also why you may catcall somebody on the street without realizing that it's wrong. Media informs everything, and it's time we start treating it with the scrutiny it deserves. Third is action. We don't have to sit back and let the network executives or film financiers control what we watch. This is a consumer-based industry. There are ways that we, as consumers, can mobilize to change the dynamics and politics of the entertainment world and make all of our lives better in the long run. We can set goals and work towards achieving them together. On this podcast, I will interview friends, people I meet in my travels, scholars, artists, and writers to break down this weird industry we all seem to be so obsessed with and figure out how it's really impacting us. It should be interesting, to say the least. Here's what you can expect on upcoming episodes. Human trash party at two. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Testing one, two, three. <laughs> I worked on Kamala Harris's U.S. Senate race in California, which was one of the few beacons of light on a very dark day. Yes, I'm Kurt Toftaland. I'm the founder of Shakespeare Behind Bars. My name is Kai Jacosi, and I am a, an actor, a fight choreographer, and a teacher. Word. Um, so hello, listeners. Um, my name is Tanasia Summer-Jones. I work in Boston currently. Um, currently, I work for an organization called the Theater Offensive, um, which is surrounded by youth work, youth educational theater work for LGBT communities in Boston and Dorchester and Roxbury Crossing. We go in there and we try to do the work, as we say here. Um, I also am a freelance director and actor and producer in Boston um, and have had the great luck of working at really big organizations such as Arts Emerson. Huntington Theater and a lot of fringe companies in Boston. Well, my name is Ashley Dixon. I'm currently a junior at Emerson College. I am studying uh, theater and performance, um, so acting, directing, playwriting, and I'm also studying uh, comedy writing and performance as well. 
Um, I am 20 years old. I'm a lover of Shakespeare, and yeah, I'm glad to be here. I feel like I typed this and then didn't check to make sure it was English. <laughs> Katie has worked for Emily's List, Massachusetts Democratic Party, the Massachusetts chapter of Now. She graduated in 2013 and has already worked on how many campaigns? Three. Three. Um, well, I, I think my start, um, in the in the artistic world was uh, uh, opera camp of all things. Opera uh, camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As oh a little, my god. Little <laughs> cute prepubescent angel uh, <laughs> with heavenly soprano voice. In the ninth grade was the first time that I read Shakespeare, which is Romeo and Juliet, and we read it, but it just never felt like it was a text that was for me or for people who are like me. Um, just because it was introduced as this thing that, you know, you always see white people performing and you always see, you know, white people cast in Shakespeare. So, you know, in my mind, I was just like, oh, that's a thing where like, that's for white people. It's not a part of my culture. Becoming uh, an actor, uh, becoming a director, becoming a playwright, that's that's frosting on the cake. The cake is being a human being first and foremost. Um, the, the, the artistic director of that camp, Jeannie Harrison, has a has an amazing um, respect for kids and their intelligence, um, and basically hooked us in by uh, not sugarcoating anything by by uh, <laughs> you know calling a dick joke a dick joke. I'm- <laughs> My apologies if... if uh, oh, no, it's fine. It's a little blue for the podcast, but... Mm-mm. I can see you and I can... I accidentally muted myself. There we go. I'm back. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> We're new at this. Everything's fine. <laughs> This podcast is a product of Culture Shock, a media project aimed towards exploring the intersection of politics, aesthetics, and culture. This episode was made possible by my beautiful squad of patrons. And if you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com slash culture shock media. And if you want to learn more about this podcast or subscribe to our newsletter, please visit letscultureshock.com. And if you really love me, you can rate this podcast and review it on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. You are all beautiful tropical fish.